If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, earlier this week on Thursday morning, I had the uh, opportunity to do a chapel service at the, high, at the school where I used to teach. So 8.15 on Thursday morning, I was there for a chapel service. And uh, they've been having a text that they've used as a theme throughout the whole school year. They do that every year. And the particular verse they chose happens to come from this chapter. 1 Timothy 4, let me read verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Okay? So I'm looking at that verse thinking they probably heard eight months of sermons on that verse. What could I possibly give them that they haven't heard? Well, as I read the verse, it kind of reminded me that um, the book of Timothy is very important to a preacher. It's kind of like my job description. And uh, any preacher with her salt, I believe, would read those on a very regular basis, all three of them. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus 3. It'd be kind of like reading your job description. And as I particularly read this particular verse, I was thinking that one of the reasons why they probably chose that is they're trying to encourage these young people to be uh, an example of Jesus Christ in the community and all the aspects of life. The way you obey authority, the way you respond to your parents, the way you have your work ethic, the way you conduct yourself, the way you dress. Be an example, okay? And don't let anyone discount your youth. Well, I was looking at this particular verse. I noticed the very next verse, verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. And it hit me, young people aren't the only ones in a school that hit discrimination, Old people too, too. Have you, can you imagine a teenager saying, well, you don't know anything, you're just old, right? So what I did is when I put the verse up there, I changed a word. I said, let no man despise thy gray hair. Be, be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and truth and in purity. And you know what? The cure for both of them are the same. Obey God's word and read God's word to make sure you're obeying God's word. People will have tendencies to discriminate against you. I guess the only thing we can do is try not to give them a reason. So that's the message I would like to share with you for a second. I want to take a step back and look at all three of these books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, because these two themes flood through those three books at least a dozen times. So it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out, Lord, I think you're trying to tell me something as I read these three particular books and try to get my job description. So what's that got? You're thinking... Okay, boy, this is a good message for me. He's not going to step on my toes today. Well, first of all, this is what you need to hold me accountable to in kindness and charity. Amen? If anyone comes along after me, this is who you should be looking for. And if I'm walking according to this, 
don't shoot the messenger. It's God's job description, and I'm going to do the best I can to fulfill it. Okay? So with that being said, what I'd like to do is I want to show you just real quickly, there's 27 books in the New Testament, right? Three of them are pastoral epistles. Three of them. That's one out of nine. One out of nine. That's a pretty significant portion of the number of books in Scripture that are written to preachers. That's my job description. Got it? Now, I do want to share this, and I want to try to be as tender as I can. There is occasions where we act as leaders, okay? And when we act in a leadership capacity, God has defined the leadership of a pastor different than the leadership at a business or in a school classroom. Got it? So as we share this, sometimes you in your position might think, I need to take a lead on this. But you understand the lead you're used to taking in a business situation and even in a home might be different than the way God has designed the leadership as a pastor. Matter of fact, I've been real excited. This has actually led to another mini-series that I'm going to go into. Lord willing, in the next couple weeks, I want to study Jesus' words and the way he interacted with people. Sometimes Jesus will act with someone and he'll get angry. And then sometimes he'll just be all long-suffering. And sometimes he will have patience when someone asks him a question. And sometimes he'll get downright irritated and answer a question with a question. And I want to know, why does he do what he does when he does it? And I want to study his words because my command is to be more like Jesus, right? And sometimes he does something. And and my problem is is sometimes I get short-tempered. And I justify being angry because Jesus got angry. Well, that wasn't his normal response. You understand? There's a time to get angry, but there's a time not to be angry. So what I'd like to do is I want to look at this job description in these three books as God has laid it out for a pastor. And I want you to be gentle. When you're looking that up and you're thinking, Brother Dolph, Brother Dolph, Brother Dolph, okay, be gentle, be kind, because I'm trying to, all right? But with that being said, so what I'd like to do is um, I want to read the whole chapter. Now, again, what I've done this week is I've read all three books. I'm not going to do that. That wouldn't be a very good use of time this morning. But I do want to read this entire chapter. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's only 16 verses, so stay with me here. But I want you to notice that the things said in this chapter 4 are said throughout all three books on multiple occasions. See if you can pick out the patterns. Verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Verse 6. 
If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. I want to be a good minister. So I want to remind the people of some things. See what those things are. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I see both of those things, these reoccurring themes we're going to see not only in this chapter, but throughout the whole book. You've got truth. Stick to it. Other things are going to try to divert you and make you veer off. And some things are really subtle. If you're driving somewhere that's 200 miles away and you start off just a half a degree off, you're going to think, no big deal. But what happens after about 100 miles? You're way off, right? And the other thing is, is, brother, do it. Don't just say it. Do it. Okay? You're going to teach more with your shoe leather than you are flapping your gums. Okay? All right. And that's true of moms and dads and teachers and most employment situations, isn't it? Verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Here's the rest of First Timothy 4. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Okay, here's another commandment to the good minister. Let no man despise thy youth, thy gray hair, thy skin color, thy pedigree. You can put anything in there, right? The cure for all that discrimination is the same thing. Live yourself a godly life. Don't give them a reason to discriminate. Some people are going to discriminate against you no matter what. Ah, he was born in Detroit. What's he got, right? Yes? But be thou an example of the believers. See, there's that walk again in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reason, reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given by the prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. My friends, this is an instruction booklet for every aspect of life. For your marriage, for your child training, for your finances, for your work ethic, for your anger management, for your self-discipline. Every single aspect of life. And what Paul is telling this young preacher, do it. And what the people see the profits that this book has in your life. That's going to be the biggest story you can do. And that's going to come over, overcome age. Imagine this. Young preacher. This is Timothy. I'm guessing Timothy, when he started preaching, was probably about 30 years old. He was a good Jewish boy in, in a Jewish culture. That's where he did a lot of his preaching. He's about 30 years old, and he comes into a church... And sitting over here in the amen corner are a bunch of preachers, and they're all really, really old. 
And he's looking at the membership and they're all really, really old. And the preachers are going, I've been preaching longer. He's been alive. What can this young whippersnapper teach me? Right? Old people would never do that, would they? And the young people come in to, to me. He's a grandpa. He's got gray hair. He's, he's pushing retirement. He doesn't know anything. I to, this is what I told him on Thursday. On th- I had this senior class. I had a really good relationship with the senior class. And this is about three or four years ago. And I walked in with a brand new telephone. And I didn't know how to work that thing. They were laughing at me. Oh, Mr. Painter, you're old. You don't know anything. And I said, when it comes to technology, yeah. I said, but yesterday when we were building bridges, I bought in a power drill. And none of you guys knew how to use that thing, right? I figured you guys were young. You didn't know anything, right? So my point is, is we all got our little niches, yes? And it's true. There's things we don't know. There's things we do know. But the way to overcome that in terms of truth is live God's word and let thy profiting appear to all. That's the way you're going to get respect from teenagers in a classroom. That's the way you're going to get respect from your own children. That's the way you're going to get respect from a wife. That's the way you're going to get respect from employees. Employees that are probably older than you, that may even have more degrees than you. You'll walk the walk, and you let thy profiting appear to all. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. You get this? Paul is telling, do it. Do it. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear me. Hear thee. What happens is, is when you obey God's word, there are natural blessings that come from when. You do the things God, he's the one that designed marriage. And he says, this is the way you do it. You want to maximize your marriage? You obey God, the designer. This is the way you train children. You want to maximize your relationship with your children? Don't be their buddy. Be their parent. Do it the way God said. This is the way you manage your finance. Believe it or not, he's the one that designed economies. We're in this crazy state. Did you know you could go back and read Joseph? Now, this is kind of, for some of you, going to bore you to tears. But he limited money supply during cost push inflation. You're thinking, what did Brother Dolph just say? You don't increase money supply during inflation. You limit it. He taught us that thousands of years ago. If we do things his way, you'll save yourself And then you'll also save the people that are watching you because they will see the benefits of it. They says, hey, maybe I better try that that way. Okay? All right. So with that being said, I want to do something here. There's our text. Let no man despise thy youth be an example unto the believers. I want to show you something here, okay? In the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is this young preacher And I just want to get one thing from the beginning of chapter 1. Context, context, context. It says, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. So so Paul had sons in the ministry. Timothy was one. Titus was another. He had a couple others. Silas, I believe, was one too. But anyway, he said, Timothy, I've got to go to Macedonia. 
I want you to go to Ephesus, that church we planted, and I want you to go back there and teach them some things. But look at this little bit of instruction. See if you're starting to see the patterns too, okay? As I besought thee to bide still at Ephesus, when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which ministers questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, out of faith and fain, which for from which some having swerved, having turned aside unto vain jangling. What's he telling them? He's telling them, follow this. Go to Ephesus and follow this. The people are not going to be happy with this. They're going to want to surf the internet. Now, Paul didn't say that. You understand that? But they're not going to be happy with this. And they're going to want to go with the latest and the greatest. Stick with God's word. Watch what happens here. Here's a passage from Acts 20. This is right at the end of Paul's ministry. And at the end of Paul's ministry, this is what he says. It says, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders, elders of that church. Where did he leave Timothy? At Ephesus, right? And then this is the end of his ministry. This is kind of like his swan song. So he's going to head there one more time and he says, call all the ministers in that area. I want to talk to him one more time. And he gives him a warning and the warning starts in verse 28. There's a lot of instruction between 17 and 28 about how to be a good preacher. But notice this, what it says in 28. See if this sounds familiar. Take heed unto yourselves, therefore unto yourselves, to the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made the overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's a pretty precious group of people, right? For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Timothy, follow the word. Not only will people have itching ears wanting to hear some new things, people are going to slip in and try to show them everything but God's word. This is a warning. So, so, so wait a second. Brother Dolph's so, so fuddy-duddy, all he cares about is the Bible. You know what I say to that? Amen. I told you the story way about when I was in the bank. This is before I was ordained. We had these discussions during quiet times. There was this girl, she got so frustrated with me. She says, Tolf, I hate talking to you. All you care about is what the Bible says. You're so narrow-minded. She thought she was insulting me. Right? And what did I do? I quoted that great theologian, Elvis Presley. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right? I was glad. So, Therefore, watch and remember by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you every one night and day with tears. 
I told you elders, people were going to come in here and they were not going to be satisfied with the word and they're going to throw other stuff at you. Be protective. You, you are like a shepherd over some sheep. Do not let the wolves get at those sheep. He's a steward over God's word. Okay? One more. Let's go back to the beginning of chapter 4. Are you seeing the reoccurring pattern of what one of the main duties of a preacher is? Hold this word high, protect it, right? Don't let the other stuff come in. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrine of devils and speaking and lies. He says, it's going to happen. So, one of my jobs is to protect this flock from those outside influences and hold scripture high. Now, it's okay to read books, but when you get to the point when you're reading books about the book as opposed to the book, and I always hate calling this the book because it's not a book, it's a library of 66 books, right? But we refer to this as the good book. I love this. Collection of 66 books. It's a library. It's got history books. It's got law books. It's got poetry. And as a math guy, I don't like poetry, but it's in there. It's got personal letters. It's got a farmer's almanac like Proverbs, right? It reads like a farmer's almanac. It's got prophecy. It's got history. It's, it's got everything. Okay, as we go. Okay, so... The title of this message is Peter, I'm, I'm sorry, what Paul gave to uh, Timothy, stay the course. What's the course? This is just in chapter four. The course is to believe and know the truth, God's word. In verse five, the word of God, sanctified by the word of God in prayer. That's the Bible. Trust in the living God. How do I do that? His promises in the Bible. Give attendance to reading. I want to read scripture. And if I do read something other than that, I test it with Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, I throw it away, right? And then finally, take heed unto the doctrine. Got it? Okay, I want to read another passage from 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy. Okay, this, this is not 1 Timothy 4, this is 2 Timothy 4. Notice the reoccurring pattern how Paul is emphasizing to this young preacher. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. See, that's why I want to study Jesus. I want to know how to do that. There are time to do it with fire and there's time to do it with love and compassion. I don't necessarily do the right thing with the right motive at the same right time. I want to get better at that. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teaching, having itching ears. Not really where they got to scratch it. They just want to hear new things. Does this sound like a reoccurring pattern that Paul is telling Timothy? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Okay, 
I got a, a friend back up in Georgia. This is before my son started farming. But he farmed, and he farmed cattle for a long time. And I was, I was down in Athens, Georgia for close to 10 years. It was about nine years. And they farmed cattle for the first five or six years. But about th- three years before I left, they started farming sheep. His brother's name was Will Cabe. Good old country boy, good, good young man. And he came into church one Sunday, and they asked him to, to, to pray. And before he did, he made a comment, and he says, you want to know something? He said, in his country voice, he said, sheep are dumb. Okay? And he said, that's what God called me. Why did God? He said, a cow, you don't have to teach nearly as much and babysit them as much. He said, sheep are dumb. They're always getting themselves in trouble. He's about ready to go back to cattle. Okay? Okay. So, so there's a warning here. Paul is telling Timothy the flock are going to want to go into other pastures. They're going to want to eat grasses they shouldn't eat. Okay? So, the title of the message is Timothy, Stay the Course. The course is truth. Here's an example of other courses. This is just in chapter 1. Do not depart from the faith. Do not be seduced. Do not be fooled. Do not fall for their lives. Do not follow old wives' tales. Do not succumb to peer pressure. That's all in chapter 4. Well, that's got a passage for you. I want to read this passage. This is in 2 Timothy 3. Notice these are all pastoral epistles. I'm cherry-picking all from these epistles. Notice the theme. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. In Acts 12, he called them wolves. Deceiving and being deceived. But continue in thou in the things thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we should be training our children at a very young age. What do, we, what do you want to train them? What do you want to teach them? Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There it is again. How do I do that as a minister with the right attitude like Jesus did all the time? Sometimes I do it with the wrong attitude. I know I'm supposed to do it, but the delivery isn't there always. Okay? That the man of God, that the preacher may be perfect. That means he's got everything he needs. He's fully equipped. This man right here will never be quote unquote perfect. But with this book under my arm, I'm perfect because I'm fully equipped. My execution might be lacking, but I got everything that needs to be executed. You understand? Thruly furnished unto all good works. It's got everything. Brother Dolph, I'm having trouble with my finances. Let's go to Proverbs. Brother Dolph, I'm having trouble with my marriage. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Brother Dolph, I'm having trouble with my children. Let's go to Ephesians 6. All you care about is the Bible. I hope people say that about me. Amen? Okay. I call this verily, verily. This is just in the pastoral epistles. 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 4, teach no other doctrine. 
1.6, turn aside unto vain jangling. 4.1, depart from the faith. 6.20, avoid vain babblings. 2, 2, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2.16, shun vain babblings. Here, look at this phrase in, in 2 Timothy 3.7, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 4.3, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 4.4, 4, having turned unto fables. Eight warnings, just right there. You think Paul is trying to tell Timothy something about the sheep? Okay, and, and sheep are the only one that go, don't go after, always go after new things. Preachers can do it too. That's why y'all need to be in the Word. How many times have you heard me say, go home and read this and make sure the preacher's not just spinning some yarn? The last thing I want to do is misrepresent God. That's a scary thing. And, and you know what? I am not that perfect person. I will make mistakes. And I would love for you to show that in kindness and charity. If I dig in, then you bear down. But first time, Brother Dahl, I think you might want to read, read that verse. That's a whole lot better. Boy, you blew it today. Okay? And I may have blown it today. Just be nice about it. Okay? I don't want to blow it today. Got it? Okay, so stay the course. We talked about the course. We talked about other courses. Here's staying. Note what it says. This is, again, just in chapter 4, verse 10. It says, labor and suffer reproach. Teach these things, verse 11, verse 12. Be an example, 15. Meditate upon these things, 15. Profiting may appear to all. And verse 16 says, continue in these things. Let's read another passage from the pastoral epistles. This is in 2 Timothy 2. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness. You see that obedience? The way you overcome discrimination is you obey God. Follow faith, righteousness, charity, peace, and them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Do you, do you see the pastor's duty? He's holding the word high. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The devil has a will and an agenda too. You know, when you go back in the garden, what did he say? In the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. Did you know all he did was stick three letters in that little sentence? Right? Thou shalt not surely die. Three little letters. What did that do to the meaning? Changed the whole world upside down, didn't it? That's all he's going to do. You need to stick to the word. Okay. okay, this is the discrimination we talked about. Now, there's a lot of kind of discrimination that could go on. You can be discriminated against being a young preacher. You can be discriminated for being an old preacher. You can be discriminated because your pedigree. Well, I was a primitive Baptist preacher. My dad was a primitive Baptist preacher. My grandpa was a primitive Baptist preacher. What do you got? Just the Word of God. Okay? Do you understand? It could be preaching styles. 
Remember in Corinth, they had a great big argument about that. There was three preachers, Apollos. Apollos was this smooth, eloquent guy. Never stumbled over himself. Never, never got his nouns and his pronouns all mixed up like I do all the time. Okay? He was smooth. A lot of people liked him. A lot of people liked Peter. I think Peter was charismatic. He was blue collar, but he was charismatic. I think he could game the attention. And there was Paul. Paul was very well versed, but he was rough and abrasive. Some people like that straightforward approach. Which one do you like the best? I thought you would like the one that preaches Jesus Christ in truth and spirit. Amen? Let me read this, 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 16. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Do you see it again? Holding the word high, avoiding the variances, and doing them. That's what he's stressing to this young preacher. So, as I sit and I read these three books on a regular basis, basically what I'm doing is is I want to be that good minister. I want to be that faithful servant. I want to be following the Lord. What I want to do is I want to make sure I'm reading my job description because I want to stay the course. And I'm so glad he used so much repetition. Maybe it'll get through this thick skull once in a while. Okay? Stay the course. Follow this word the whole word, and nothing but the word. Amen? And do it. And do it. Okay? Here's my verily, verily. First Timothy 3.15. So thou know how to behave thyself in the church. Well, behave, isn't that a two-year-old? No, that's a 30-year-old preacher. No, that's a 60-year-old preacher. Continue in the doctrine. Keep the commandment without spot. Keep what is committed to thy trust. Flee youthful lust. Follow righteousness. Two, Second uh, Corinthians three fourteen. Continue in the things thou hast learned. Four five. Make full proof of thy ministry. Titus one sixteen. There's people that profess to know God's word, but in their works they deny it. So you can talk a real good game. But if your shoe leather isn't following what you're talking, you're going to undermine your whole ministry. Do it. Okay? All right. I got another verse that's not from the pastoral verses. This is in James 3.17. Let me read this, and I'm going to make some comments on this verse, and then we'll be done. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Wow, if I can only do those things, I'd be a bang-up preacher. That's a big if, but I'm trying. And like I always share with you, 
Hopefully today I'm a little bit better at it than I was yesterday, but I'm not going to rest in my laurels. Hopefully tomorrow I'll be better at it than I am today. In 1 John 3, 3, talking about being pure, this is, this is what that looks like. 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him, in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now there's a purity comes when he comes back and there's that great big resurrection. But in the meantime, just the fact that I'm looking to that and I'm trying to obey, there's a purity in that. Okay. The next thing in that list in John or James 3.17 is to be peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. That's a hard one. But look at this description in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For This is Paul talking about himself and some of his fellow uh, ministers. For neither at any time we use we flattering words. See, I told you Paul was kind of rough sometimes. As ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness God is witness, nor men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. That's what the preacher was, gentle and cherishing the children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls. I'll pour myself out for y'all. Yeah, I'll share the gospel with you, but I'm ready to spend and be spent for you. Okay? The next thing on that list is being full of grace, of mercy, and good fruits. Look at this description talking about a preacher named Barnabas. Barnabas was a good guy. Notice it says, verse 24, it says, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. He lived himself in a way, and he conducted himself. He wasn't just a pure orator. He was a minister of the gospel. He was a servant. Okay? Without partiality. 1 Timothy 5, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Okay, preacher, you've got some members that are knowledgeable and you've got some that aren't. You've got some that are very wealthy and good givers and you've got some that are just scraping by. You've got some that just work their backs off and really work, and you've got some that are hardly doing anything to help other saints. When someone comes to you with a need, he says, you put all that out the window, and you serve what you can. You got it? You've got some that have been giving you a hard time for the whole nine or ten years you've been pastor. They need help? You help them out. Okay? You got some that have been encouraging for the 10 years, right? You helped them out without partiality. And then finally, without hypocrisy. This is a hard one. You know, if you think about it, if I only preached the stuff that I did perfectly, I wouldn't preach anything. Amen? I suppose I was taking about marriage. I says, you've got to do this as a book. There's no way, because my wife could tell on me. 
She could tell all the things where I lost my temper or was impatient or woke up with a sinus headache and acted like a jerk, right? She, she could share all that. And then I'm supposed to get up and tell another brother how to be a better husband? See, see do you understand? If, if that was the case, I'd never preach anything. But let's, let's read this, okay? For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. Why beholdest the mote in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Okay. All right, I mess up. And there's a favorite verse I have, 1 John 1, 9. It says, Lord is faithful to forgive. If we confess our sins, he's faithful for to give. So what I do is I get on my knees and I says, Lord, I was a knuckle-headed husband today. Lord, please forgive me. And then I go into my wife and I said, Honey, I've been a knuckle-headed husband. Please forgive me. Now let me go talk to this brother in the church. You are a knuckle-headed husband. You need to ask your wife for forgiveness. Okay? That's how you do it. And that's what the Lord would have us do. Okay. Last passage. This is 1 Timothy 6. Stay the course, Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. That was the sin and the selfishness and the love of money. Follow after righteousness, goodness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I charge thee in the sight of God who quicken all things before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if there's anybody in here that says, I can do everything without spot, unrebukable, I'm going to call you a liar, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going like that. Not only will I do that, I'm going to take a couple steps away because when that lightning bolt comes down, I don't want to get the, the, the thing right there. But that's our goal. That's our goal. And one of the things I can say about King David, King David was not a perfect man. But he did this. Whenever a sin was pointed out and someone said, Thou art the man, he didn't make excuses. He didn't justify it. He didn't pass the buck. He said, you're right. I'm sorry. And he turned and he tried to do better. That's the unspotted man. That's the unreprovable man, unrebukable. So that's our goal. And with that being said, <clears throat> Timothy, stay the course. And with that, I'll say to every husband and father in here, brother, Stay the course. To every sister and mother in here, I will say, sister, stay the course. Every child, every employer, every employee, every teacher, every student, brother, sister, stay the course.